podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I'm joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And on the phone, back from his travels, Dave Watson. Hello, boys. Hello. I wish I was back from my travels, but I'm still travelling. You're still travelling. Now you are in Edinburgh, is that right? Yes, I'm back in Edinburgh for more work. Shit. Well, that's I'm done without it this week, to be honest, because I am still jet lagged. Sure. Very God, tired. I hate it when I'm jet lagged, man. <laughs> God, I got so much jet lag. I've just been, just been traveling around so much. And Last time you were on, Dave, well, weren't you complaining about your broken down BMW? Or something? <laughs> you're a real first world problems man, aren't you? <laughs> it's I mean, not broken down anymore. It's fine. Isn't it normally? Isn't it normally the other way around? When people move to London, they become ponces. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's cheaper to be a ponce if you don't live in London. Trust me. You should all just move out of London. That's the tagline, isn't it, for the North? Then come to the Northern powerhouse. <laughs> cheaper to be a ponce. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, was your honeymoon, Dave? Oh, exactly what we needed. It was two weeks. Some time of... apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two weeks of solitary confinement. No, it was. It was exactly what we were, just two weeks of sitting by the pool, drinking cocktails, or wandering through the beach and nice. looking at dolphins and looking at waterfalls and shit. It was great. So you're you still, a YouTube a lot as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You still found time just to... Just a travel channel. It was yeah. great. I think you still found time to post a lot of Newcastle stats things on Twitter, <laughs> I was impressed by the old romantic. Yeah, I'll be there in a minute, darling. <laughs> Somebody needs to know about XG. So, uh, we know that you, the Newcastle Natter listener, has been much starved. So, let's get straight back in with the football. And we've, we've got a nice thing to talk about, which is our most recent result. Uh, yeah. It was terrific, wasn't it, Dave? Did you manage to get to see it where you were? Or should I just go straight to Paul? No, I, I watched the game um, on one of the many TVs in the bar while she drank cocktail and ignored me. It was great. She she did she did insist that if the game was boring, we couldn't just sit in the bar and watch a boring game of football. Um, so as soon as Kennedy scores within the first two minutes, like the smug grin on my face was probably cause for <laughs> divorce. But we're still together, so it's all good. So this bar in your hotel, did it have all the Premier League games on? Because that was a three o'clock kickoff. It didn't have. It had the ones that were were requested. So there requested. were. Um, like it was I, a request said, bar. Sorry. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. So I said, "Could you put the Southampton Newcastle game on?" And they said, in their own inimitable style, "Yes, of course, no worries." Are you proud of me? I didn't do a cod Caribbean accent there because I was sorely tempted to. I'd like but to yeah. hear it now, please. I think yeah, for the yeah, of course, for the NASA listeners, what you need to know is Dave did try that three times, and it was deemed too racist that we had to cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what was deemed too racist, but um, it was last season. John Joe Shelby's made mistakes, but he's a good <laughs> man. 
No, there was something that was deemed too racist. But I, I'm, well, I'm not alt-right, but I am very much free speech. Oh, was this the comment that came out during the game? Because I saw, it's the co-anchor, what's his name? Who's the one that you get on the foreign feeds that isn't... It's the Scottish I want to say Peter someone, but it's not. It's the Scottish guy who does all, he's on all the foreign feeds. And he's in trouble. He's in much more trouble than Jamie Carragher now. He is, he's in big trouble. He said, I've just found it here on um, the website. He said, uh, we are back by Labrox. Go to bet.newcastlepodcast.com for exclusive specials and promotions that we have got for you. Very racist. It's not, I mean, it's 2018, guys. (laughs) You can't do that anymore. You can't say that. So, I'll tell you what, you can't say that, but what you can say is, what a terrific goal from Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> <He's spelling. laughs> it was a really was. good first goal, wasn't it? Was it was amazing. Yeah. Someone said, I'm trying, to, oh, I'm trying to find it. Someone tweeted us suggesting that if somebody else... If Messi or someone else had scored he said. Goal. Yes. And Who was it? Sorry? It was Andy Sheldon. He said, do you think that if Kane, Aguero, Messi scored the goal that Kennedy's first was, the press would have been pulling their dicks off? I think if the three of them had scored it at the same time, yes. True. But, but it's nice to see that your, a, a phrase of yours, Dave, has now made its way into yeah. popular culture. Good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it did seem like, as, he, as Andy Sheldon says at the end of his tweet, he said, instead, it doesn't get a mention at all i did sort of feel like because even the commentators on the game that the feed that I was watching on didn't sort of like talk about just how good that goal was well they were saying he scuffed it and i don't think he did i thought it was a really good finish it was a, well it was the turn wasn't it it yeah. was an amazing touch and turn and it was like Bergkamp against us that famous yeah except it was deliberate oh, well here we go but it was it was a yeah, it was a really good goal. But then I found myself thinking, oh, oh, that's not a good, good goal. Because no one was talking about it. It was like, oh, I guess goals like that just happen all the time and I don't notice. It's up for goal of the weekend. Not that that particularly Certainly. matters for the uh, the Premier League competition. Certainly. But, uh, See, I'm, I'm getting to the stage where I'm a bit like, there's a lot of that going on where it's, oh, if this person had done it, it would have been talked about more. Yeah. And I kind of think that's a bit lazy because if you want people to get praise for something, then then praise it and praise it in an original manner and, you know, effuse about it if you want to. But don't say, oh, the only reason it's not getting um, more credit is because it's not scored by a famous person. Like, it was a good goal, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he hit it very cleanly it doesn't matter because it went in the back of the net and the most important thing was the first touch but it it was a good goal but it, it's not like it's not going to be like goal of the month contender it's yeah, not are you saying you want, do you, are you saying you want a fight with Andy Sheldon I do I want a f- strip to the waist knife fight he can meet me in Edinburgh <laughs> knife but and a bike it, chain Edinburgh rules I will say people often <laughs> say oh that if this goal had been scored by Messi then we'd never hear the end of it but the whole point about Messi is that he scores a goal 
like that every weekend. Yeah. Which is, and it's a bit like yeah. when people say, oh, if this policy had been announced by the Tories, we'd be hearing about it in the press all the time. It's, it's a bit tinfoil hat. Yeah. I think you're, I think we're on a different Twitter yeah. to a lot of folks there. But, you know, yeah. I thought it was a very good goal, but my favourite video of the goal, I don't know if you, have you seen the one somebody posted on Twitter of, it's just a view of the stadium with the noise in the build-up yes. to that goal. It is amazing. There was a, a, a really good atmosphere there. It was it was a sellout. I mean, considering how grim things have been of late, and I don't think there was anything in particular that happened that's, that warranted a turnaround. There seemed like an almost just a will in the city. Like people mm. were... There was a lot of talk of we really need a good atmosphere this Saturday and it was provided. It was, yeah. it was like the city sort of decided, let's come on, let's do something. I think a lot of it might have come down to Shelby being in the starting lineup. No, I don't think anyone expected him to start or maybe even be on the bench. And that seemed to just kick things off a bit. Do you think? I pers- well, my- do you think he's a big fan favourite? I think he's he's the difference for us a lot of the time at the minute now. He's our most important player apart from maybe Lascelles. But I mean we've he's much when I heard Shelby was starting that game I suddenly went from thinking like we're probably going to get a draw to thinking we'll win this. Well he's much maligned by by me and many others, you know, as being very talented but also very annoying. Yeah. He's an annoying player, but you saw with some of the balls he was making during that game, he is our best player. Yeah, He's our most only, talented player. Not only was he our best player, but he was making balls as well on the you side of he, the pit. Yeah, I do. Sorry. I'm being come on. Um, <laughs> uh, Craig Gillies on Twitter asks, while we're on the subject of uh, John Joe Shelby, is John Joe Shelby worth a spot in the England squad for the World Cup? And forget... It, well, he says, in fact, forget I asked, he's not. So he's answered his own question there, Dave. But do you think John Joe Shelby is worth a spot in the England squad? Uh, if he continues the form that we saw in the game against Southampton for the rest of the season, then yeah, definitely. But the problem for, for Shelby is the same problem he's always had, which is he's undeniably got the talent if he can if he can be bothered and if he's focused, but all too often he can't be bothered and he isn't focused and he's been playing well for us and I'm not he's certainly not a shit player or any of the other stuff we've seen on Twitter after he's had a poor game but he just he doesn't do it consistently and he doesn't do it you know he can lose focus even in a game where he's playing well he can lash out at somebody because they they kick his heels or something he's he's too much of a liability so could he go should he go to the England uh, England camp for the World Cup, uh, maybe because of the absence of talent in the England squad. But I don't think he, I don't think that level of player should be good joining the England squad. I think we should have someone better. I agree that we should have someone better. But like, I mean, I haven't sat down and thought through it. But off the top of my head, I can't think of many England midfielders. I mean, it's it's not that Jordan long. Jordan Henderson, Jack Wilshere. It's not an inspiring list. Is Jake it? Livermore. Harry Winks. <laughs> it's not long before you're at Jack Rodwell. Oh well, yeah, getting Tom Huddleston up out of his chair. Yeah. I think the thing with Shelby that seems to... I agree with everything Dave said, 
But one good. thing I've noticed in the last few games is that the Southampton game, after every goal, the first person over to Benitez taking instruction was Shelby. That always used to be Lascelles. You sort of feel like there's a bit more of a sort of stable head on his shoulders at the minute, and he's the one actually listening to what the team needs well, to be a, doing. Well, it's only a couple of games since he was uh, really letting us down. But that was when he was... He had a bit of a knock when he when Frank Lampard was sort of calling him out for his performance in the game. Was it Liverpool or the one before that? It was the one before that. It was the Bournemouth game. Yeah, but Shelby had a knock by that point, which could explain why he wasn't running around. But I think there, there does seem to be a little bit more maturity. I think, personally, you look at the midfield options for England and I don't think any of them have the quality of delivery that Shelby has and the vision of passing. And if Kane is going to be out, you look at the way Shelby plays with somebody like Dwight Gale able to run onto his balls. If you imagine Jamie Vardy in that position against good teams where we actually, where England have to sit back and play on the counter, I think Shelby and Vardy could be quite a crucial partnership. I don't think yeah, he necessarily it's... will go, and I think it might be better for Shelby if he doesn't go, because you can totally see a world where he comes back as like public enemy number one for a stupid sending off. That is a very good call. But you say those two names out loud as starters for England, and you just die a little inside. Jamie I... Vardy and John Joe Shelby. I hate we should England, be, though. <laughs> it should know. be much better than... Than Jamie fucking Vardy I'm and really, John Joe Shelby. I'm really, really hoping at the moment on politics just sort of taking over and England not going to the World Cup. So, uh, but what's even that if noise, we... Dave? What's going on? Guess what that was? It's some kind of sex contraption. <laughs> no, that they've was got my them alarm. in Edinburgh. They've got the new ones. Tuesday night, isn't it? Sorry, what? Oh, that was was that your bit? Was that your bins alarm? <laughs> was it yeah. really? Yeah, that was my bin. Oh, alarm. wow! <laughs> <laughs> do you need? Do you need us to start recording? Do you need to call Holly? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll text her in a bit and just remind her. <sighs> Mrs. Dave needs to go and take the bins out. It's not yeah. a bit alarm. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> so, so surprised. So I'm guessing that would have gone off at some time when you were in St. Lucia. <laughs> it did. Of course it did. The bin alarm. What, <laughs> <laughs> what other alarms do you have? Dave? You would have been, so you would have been like on at like, it would have been like four in the afternoon or something. Yeah. You were sat by the, <laughs> just entering cocktail hour. The bill alarm went off. Beautiful. All right. So, uh, but yeah, I would say just in response to Dave's point, just because we should have better players for England than Shelby and Vardy doesn't mean we do. It's true. And you've got to pick the best players. I think he's a lot better than some of the midfielders that will get picked ahead of him. It's true. Now, it's not been often this season that we've been able to have a really positive, happy podcast. So let's not bring it down by dwelling too long on England. Um, Yeah. So uh, Kennedy didn't score just one goal. He scored two. And the second goal, I actually enjoyed more. There was just something beautiful about it, that breakaway. I really like a 
a clinical breakaway where sort of everyone just sort of does what they're supposed to do. It's like yeah, it's like when you've got four balls left in a game of pool to part. No. You've got four balls left, and you know you should complete the break, but something goes along wrong along the way. I think I know what this might be a segue. I, it, it genuinely isn't a segue. Me and that, Fergus but, played pool before the pod, Dave, and. The first game, I almost didn't get a shot. Fergus potted from the break and got to the black. And, and I had, had a, on the black. a very makeable pot and missed it. But that isn't even what I genuinely But I think that deserves recognition. Bring, it deserves recognition. It was the closest I've ever got to doing it from the break. But anyway. But you just, do you see what I'm saying about this breakaway goal? Every, yeah. It's, you always expect one of those passes to, to go wrong, but... Everyone did exactly what they were supposed to do. I think a lot of credit goes to Dwight Gale yeah, for making that final pass. I think you compare it to the other week, was it the the sitter that Shelby missed against Bournemouth because of that under-hit Christian Atsu pass? Right, yeah. And it just felt a million miles away from that. It reminded me a lot of, was it against West Brom when we had the front three of Cissé, Barr and, and Ben Arthur? Oh, I was going to say there was one. No, it was before okay. that. We had an amazing counter-attacking goal. It was just the three of them yeah. pegging it. But Gale went from our penalty box to theirs in about 10 seconds as well. Uphill. <laughs> <laughs> and what I liked about it, like you say, um, everybody did their job. It would have been very, very easy for Dwight Gale to have shot from that slightly wider position on the right-hand side when he received the ball from Perez. But Kennedy was in, you know, he there wasn't. He was totally unmarked, and it was essentially empty net. And for Gale to have that, like lack of selfishness and the presence of, of the presence of mind and the the execution, yeah. But it was, yeah. like you say, there's something about a, a true breakaway goal that gets the hackles up on the back of your neck, and it's just it's it's what it's what football football fans want to see pace. Uh, dynamism and uh, just directness. It was, oh, it was brilliant to see. There was that and little touch from Perez as well, where he sort of, you think he's about to lose the ball and he just dinks it to his other foot and then plays it mm-hmm. to Gale. It was a really good goal to watch. If you're ever looking to enjoy supporting your football club again, I really recommend at the moment playing Southampton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were. Were they the worst team we've faced this season, them or West Ham? I would say. We've not had an those easier were, game. Those were both our three nils, weren't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, that's a good call. We've we've faced uh, other terrible teams, but at stages in their season where they weren't so terrible. Mm. But, um, yeah, Southampton don't have a lot going for them at the moment. And then our third goal came from Richie it looked like Shelby again it looked like he was going to shoot but uh, mm. he laid it on for Richie who finished beautifully and that man hates a corner flag <laughs> <laughs> did you hear that uh, apparently I, like, I didn't see it clearly um, I was too busy being drunk but uh, apparently Richie belted the, the corner flag and it flew into the crowd and hit a guy in the nuts that's what I've heard I don't know if that's Wholly accurate. Yeah, apparently, it's right. A, it hit the guy in the nuts, right? And the kid, he couldn't have kids, right? But it hit, <laughs> but it hit him in the nuts, right? And now 
like since then he's had like 12 kids <laughs> <laughs> he's vowed to batter Matt Ritchie he's gonna kill him, him. Batter, he's gonna kill him <laughs> says he's gonna kill him he's <laughs> fucked Matt Ritchie kicked a corner flag right <laughs> <laughs> and it like this is our Newcastle conspiracy podcast <laughs> <laughs> sorry oh I'm so sorry okay so it was a terrific performance all round and very enjoyable and now we've got th- just quickly sorry on go that on. last bit would you accept if you had to go to every remaining home game and you were guaranteed a 3-0 win but you had to have a corner flag kicked into your nuts <laughs> would you take it I think I think I'd take at least two of them just to get to 40 points and then give the nuts a break. Yeah, I'd take it. I mean, I've got a kid now. Yeah. I don't... I think only children aren't that weird. I think... I think uh, the flag itself takes some of the pace out of it. Yeah. And... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll set it up then. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, okay. So with that's the Southampton game basically covered. I mean, who wants to dwell on a victory? We've got three weeks off now. Um, yeah. Which is an odd thing to have in March, but we've got it. And apparently we're going to go and play. Explain to me this friendly, Paul. Well, we're off to Spain for a training camp and then we're playing a Belgian club. Royal Antwerp. Royal Antwerp. But we're playing a game made up of three sections of 45 minutes, which I, I have no idea why. Well, I assume it's so that the most players can get time on the pitch. I'm just, assuming- have two, just have two games. Is no one... I mean, is anyone going to play... <laughs> all 135 minutes yeah I, t- I took a pause there to do the math <laughs> I heard it <laughs> yeah is anyone going to play all 135 minutes if someone you, could I'm, who would I'm, it be Dave go on I'm hoping that Slamani will feature at some point oh yeah. do you remember we signed him he's going to come on yeah. in the yeah, yeah. in we the don't. 135 minutes he's going to come on in injury time just to uh, to, to, to waste some time <laughs> at the end <laughs> I really want him to get a couple of goals for us just so we can use the headline Radical Islam <laughs> about his goals. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, i tell you what, we sh- now that you've mentioned Radical Islam, I think we're going to have to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give in. No, I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> I think we're just going to have to take a break and we're all just going to have to read up, reread our, um, all the stuff we did on that training course about, uh, you know, workplace behavior. <laughs> and, uh, we'll be back in a minute. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Welcome back. So, um, well, you know what I should do? Uh, you know what I should do? When I say, let's go on a break, and then I always immediately go into welcome back, what I should do is just take a second to think, what is the next thing I'm going to say? <laughs> <laughs> nah. So, Fuck it. 
We're playing against uh, Royal Antwerp. That'll be interesting. And then we've got three weeks off. So I guess what we've got now is an opportunity to go through a few talking points, one of which came from uh, Leon Steed on Twitter. And all he's given me is uh, Mitrovic in capital letters, followed by a couple of emojis, which are sort of sad. I mean, it's a it's a big talking point. Mitrovic has gone to Fulham on loan. It seems as if his time at Newcastle really is done. And he scored, what is it? It's like seven goals? Seven in, in five. Seven goals in five games. Dave, were mm-hmm. you right all along? Uh, about... What exactly? Well, you were always the, you were always asking for Mitrovic to play. Yeah, should Mitrovic been playing all this time? Um, would we? Would he I, have I fifteen think, goals I don't by think now? We, I don't think we'd be any worse off than we are now if Mitrovic had been playing. Um, I think he would have just scored the goals that maybe Hoslu had scored or maybe Gale had scored. Um, but also he may have been sent off and cost us games that, you know, the others cost us by their profligacy. Um, I think I've always said there's a decent player in there. The only thing, the only question marks about Mitrovic are for me are his, uh, similarly, similar to Shelby, it's his focus and, um, and consistency. I think, you know, he, he can finish. He, he's busy. He's, he is, a bully. He does like to, to terrorise the, the, the defences, but if Rafa Benitez would rather play Hosselu because he knows Hosselu will do as he's told and not get sent off, then it's it's hard to argue with Rafa Benitez because we're sitting 13th and he, cle- he clearly knows more about it than me. I think in, in- at Fulham, he's being played as he prefers to be, which is a, a, a big target man who maybe maybe he's told to chase down and maybe he's told to get in their faces and stuff like that and he's given a little bit more license to be aggressive because he can get away with it more in the championship but I did know he, he scored at least one on the weekend and picked up a, a yellow card for stupidly uh, shoving a player or something and Jukanovic is Jukanovic isn't it the Fulham manager yeah. like dragged him off and said, oh, well, he's Serbian. That's what, you know, that's how Serbians are. Right. As if that's an excuse. <laughs> Case closed. Um, so he's still clearly got that behaviour problem. I see a lot of, like, every time he scores on uh, scores on the weekend, Twitter's full of people saying, yeah, but he's shit. The only reason he's scoring is because he's in the championship. And then other people are saying, well, we don't know if he wouldn't score in the Premier League. He's done it before and he just hasn't got the chance under Benitez. End of the day, Benitez doesn't trust him. And it's it's a shame because the kid's a Newcastle fan. He tried his heart. Uh, you know, he, he worked his socks off when he was playing for us. And occasionally that passion got got away from him. But... He's a decent player, and yeah, probably is. His time is probably over, and he probably will go off and sign for a, for for another championship side or maybe a Premier League side. Will take a punt on him, but he's a hothead, and you know oh. I like him, I really do. But yeah, I was right. He is a good player. He's just not going to be a good player for Newcastle United while Rafa Benitez is manager. Yeah. And I'd rather Rafa Benitez be manager than 
Mitrovic be a striker for us. It seems sort of pointless talking about it, really, because what's done is done. But it would be yeah. odd if we didn't mention the fact that uh, one of our strikers is now scoring shitloads of goals. In fact, two of them, because uh, what's his name? Adam, Adam Armstrong. Adam Armstrong is um, bagging them in for Blackburn Rovers in League One. I mean, that's League mm. One, but he is Player of the Month, I think, in League One. I think with Mitrovic, yeah. though, it's about... It's not just about hot-headedness. It's that he doesn't follow the tactical game plan. He's even well, said he finds being at Newcastle too tactical. That was his complaint, was that Rafa last season was too tactical. But we did win the league. Yeah, and we don't have the freedom in the Premier League to just play expansively and say to a striker, you do what you want and the other players will cover for you. It's not like when we had Ginola and you could just let him off the leash mm. and other players would have to make up for that he's not necessarily good enough for that and I don't th- our whole ethos this season is about the whole team following a plan and Shelby will occasionally let the team down but he'll at least stick to the game plan and do what he's asked to do I don't think Mitrovic does that and he's been given chances I think Dave's right it's it's almost a choice between Mitrovic and Benitez I don't think the two are compatible so I'm going to go through some more stuff on Twitter now. We've got a question from Gary Spence. He says, if Rafa stay and we get a new owner, where could the club be in five years? If Rafa goes and we are stuck with Mike Ashley, where could the club end up? I mean, I mean the answer to the, both those questions is sort of infinite, really, isn't it? Yeah, but there's a general feeling, I think. If we lose Benitez, it's going to be back to the era of getting managers like McLaren. And any success is going to be a fluke rather than part of a concerted plan. So uh, Thomas Burkan asks, do you expect the summer transfer window to be any better than the last three transfer windows, assuming Mike Ashley is still in charge? (sighs) No. Well, I think it's got to be better than the last two. Surely. And there will be... Well, There's been there a lot be of money surely there, of the years, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. I think if if the club is not for sale and Ashley's staying, then I think Benitez would have to be given money to spend for him to stay. Well, I've got some bad news for Newcastle fans because I'm on football manager and I'm managing Newcastle and I'm currently in the year 2024. And Mike Ashley isn't chairman, but whoever is chairman is still giving me like three million transfer budget oh, or whatever. So I've just won my second Champions League with Newcastle, so maybe we've just got different Mike Ashleys. No, I'm doing all right. I mean, I'm in the Champions League, so. Well, why isn't Rafa Benitez a so-called good manager? Why are we better than him? Thomas Burkhan also says. There's another tweet from him. He uh, pointed out Florian Tovan has scored 16 goals in 28 games for Marseille this season. How depressing is that? Um, Yeah, it's certainly something worth noting. He's another one, though, that he was the right player forced to play under the wrong managers. Um, And I don't think even, I don't think he worked particularly well under Benitez. Um, well, he but was in a period we... where we were buying exclusively luxury players. Yeah, Him yeah, because they got the highest markup. 
he's he's a good player and with a with a different manager that played the way that would get the best out of him then he may have been a, a very good player for us like even someone so not necessarily a, a better manager than Benitez because I think Benitez is an exceptional manager but like even someone like Mark Hughes who allows his um his attacking players a little bit more license to attack than Benitez does um he might have done well under someone like Mark Hughes, but he's just it was just not joined up thinking. It was buying the player because of his sell on value without thinking that actually the only way you're gonna get any value from selling him is if he performs well and he's not gonna perform well under Steve McLaren and he won't perform well under Rafa Benitez. So I think he could right now in our squad, Florian Tovan, I mean it's easy to say now that he's doing so well in France, but right now, I mean I take him over Christian Atsu, you know. Yeah, but would you take him over Kennedy? Well, not today because Kennedy just scored two goals. But but he's, th- he's played well in. Like, I can't think of a, a particularly bad game he's had. You talking um, about Kennedy there? Yeah, Kennedy. And I think that what Kennedy offers us that Tovan wouldn't do is he certainly puts in more effort. I mean, Tovan's a a lightweight attacking French left winger so he's not going to be tracking back he's not going to be racist yeah he's, he's, he's whereas Kennedy's been doing that even when we haven't been playing particularly well so Tovan did I'd look very lightweight for us I think he's even admitted he wasn't in the best form when he played for us I don't no. think I don't think we're all to blame for how bad he was for us yeah, we picked we we signed him in a very much a trough in his career. Yeah. Guy Abrahami says, "Is Mo Diame a god? And was there ever a Newcastle player who upgraded his game so much in one season?" It's a very good question. I can't think of one. <laughs> James Perch was a much lower budget version of that. He went from looking like one of our worst players to being sort of dependable. But true. Yeah, I can't think of that level. Of, like not if you think about it, not that long ago he was getting into a fight in training with his own captain who was accusing him of being lazy and was regularly sort of almost getting booed off the pitch well we were we were asked the question i can't remember by whom but we were asked the question on the pod is mo diame the worst player in the premier league and we were really struggling to think of anyone else yeah but and now, now he looks like him and Shelby look able to dominate three-man midfields just with the two of them. Funny old game, innit? I think we got back to it. It's the coach. Benitez has, has managed to... Like, Modiani has been the same player. Oh, hang on, Dave. Um, you're cracking he, up a bit. I was just saying that the, he's the same player he's always been. But now he's he knows how to apply his abilities, however limited they may be, to benefit the team um, more than when he was trying to be an attacking midfielder or when he was trying to be a number ten. Now he's he he realizes that he'll play every game if he does this particular job that Benitez has explained to him how to do. Um, I think that without, I'm not being funny, but the army's become an integral player for us. Uh, yeah, he's probably first name on the team sheet at the minute. But I think a lot of the credit for that has to just go to Modi Army. He looked not that long ago like he was incapable of holding on to the ball and passing it to a teammate. 
I think Benitez yeah. sometimes gets a bit too much credit for anything that happens at Newcastle, which there's no way of sort of proving who's to blame for it. But I think when it's a player... Sort of the, in, the nature of footballers, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Well, when a player improves that much, you have to say, well, that player has improved. Form, but I, like, form is a I'm weird not, thing. They're all exceptionally talented footballers. And, and like we've just been discussing, Tovan, you know, he was... Dog, we already know that he was dog shit at one stage of his career, and yeah. now he's really rather good, and was really rather good before as well. And it's not like he was a new signing when he was shit earlier in the season, so you can't just let Benitez off with that. If you had a player who was potentially that good and was getting yeah, Benitez out had of him, him all of last season as well. Yeah, so but I just think let's celebrate how good he looks. Yeah, I think I think the player himself deserves credit for turning yeah, yeah. around however he's done it and I I mean I don't who knows maybe Benitez did say something to him and if he did then I wish he'd done it a year and a half ago yeah. <laughs> um, and now we're going to finish with one last question from Nick Bird who says who from the current squad would make the best youth club leader of Biker Grove that's the big question <laughs> Apparently, um, Paul reckons this was a question on another Newcastle pod at some point, but we might as well embrace it. I didn't hear. I mean, usually the, quest- the the best answer to these sort of questions is usually just Chancellor Mbemba. I think Matt Ritchie would be a good youth club leader. Right. He's enthusiastic. Yeah. He's. I think the best one is Paul Dummett. Good shout. Actually, we didn't really talk he- about the Southampton game, just how good Dummett and Lejeune were just to go off point a little bit. Good, no, but good. Paul Dummett is looking like an amazing left back. At the I've minute. got a lot of praise for Paul Dummett. I think he's the next Aaron Hughes, <laughs> but on the other side, I think, I think what, he'll have a long. I think he'll have a long career. Yeah, you could have a very good back four with two Paul Dummets and two Aaron Hugheses. <laughs> Both at right back and centre back and left back and centre back. Aaron Hughes is still in the Northern Ireland squad. Do you know that? God. Is he like 48 now? It's ridiculous. Yeah. No, I think I think with Dominic, he's he's realised, well, not realised, he's, he's only doing what he knows what to do, how to do. He's not, he's not trying to be an attacking left back. He's not trying to be... Well, you weren't here for the pub, but I was talking about, I think he's a, a brilliant crosser of the ball, like a really underrated crosser of the ball, Dave. But I won't dwell on that because the listeners have heard it. But I think he's... he's People have a go at his attacking ability, and yes, he's not taking people on, but I think he's got good delivery. He's not trying to be like Yedlin on the other side, though. He sort of knows what he's best at, and his defensive work is just unreal at the minute. We've got the best squad in the league. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of his, his, um, like, a lot of our improvement at the back has come when Lascelles has been fit and Domit's been back. And these these are two like players who they're not they're not like world beaters at all, but they're both solid, dependable. Don't make many mistakes. More often than not, they make the right decision, and that that in itself will make you a better footballer than somebody who's more talented but keeps making the wrong decision. Okay, well, Paul Dummett, I wouldn't have him down as the head of a youth group. I mean, Rob Elliott. 
Okay. Has the look of like a, a fun, a fun a youth club call. leader. I just don't think Paul Dummett is is enough of a, a big character. Our engineer just put his head in his hands. Uh, it's <laughs> quarter to ten, and uh, he's asking himself, "Are they really going to dwell on this biker grow question?" Is that <laughs> more than any other point of the oh, week? <laughs> are we really, really going to get into this? I think we need to go through every position okay, and every, rank them on a biker okay, grow let's, scale. Let's just pull up Buggy to Jeff. Let's just pull up the squad <laughs> and we're going to talk through the Yedlin, pros and cons. no chance. <laughs> okay. Um, Lascelles, I think, would be... Lascelles. Lascelles is the best, okay? Lascelles is the answer. Paul Dummett doesn't... Uh, I don't think he's got the confidence to speak up. He, he is a Geordie. He will know the area. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going for Lascelles. He's the captain. Okay, that, but I think Richie's a good shout, but I think there's something slightly sinister about Richie somewhere. Yeah. So I'm going for Lascelles. And um, Jill Lascelles can... Uh, can put on a spread. <laughs> I can imagine she'd be good with a big tea urn. Yeah, a big tea urn. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, there we go. I mean, I didn't expect to end here, but here we end. Um, I won't bother predicting the next game against Huddersfield because it's so We've far got in the future. I think the game against Antwerp is going to be the your typical game of three thirds. <laughs> it's a game of three thirds, isn't it? That's uh, that's going to be your. Your classics, uh, it's going to be a classic 7 5. <laughs> um, that's my prediction. Uh, Dave, it's fantastic to have you back in uh, UK waters. It's uh, good to be back. Um, I'm not sure what time it is. Well, I can tell you right now it's quarter to 10. It's Jesus. It's too late. It's too late. Um, well, I'm going to go to the bar then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Living the dream. I'm going to stick on that on your... Dime. Oh, on the company dime. You're going to your, have a company drink and then get into your company bed and have a company <laughs> wank, Dave. Yes. A hundred percent, yes. <laughs> oh, terrific. Okay. Uh, well... It's good to have you back. Thank you very much, Dave Watson. Thanks, boys. Thank you, Paul Doolin. Thank you. My name is Fergus Craig. Thank you to you, the Newcastle National listener. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. 
but that's probably about it because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk and we're also available on all podcast platforms including iTunes, Acast and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.